Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. You know what the problem is, Brandon? I blame hockey for this. Somehow it all comes back to hockey. Yep, blame the U.S. team for losing. Grumble, grumble, son of a... Hi, everybody. How's everyone doing tonight? Today, whenever you're listening to this, welcome to the Wrestling to the Max 205 Live and Mixed Match Challenge Review. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. The man's voice you just heard is, as we have established, the Skeletor to my He-Man, Brandon Biscabing. Wow. Fitting. Unfortunately, due to the fact that it is almost 2 a.m. here on the East Coast as we're recording this, because for some reason most of us have no life, our co-hostess with the mostest, Liz Puglisi, had to call it a night because she works at 5 a.m. like a normal person and therefore needed to get at least a couple of hours of sleep. Yeah, pulling an all-nighter and then having to work at 5 a.m. is not fun. Trust me, I've done it. Pulling an all-nighter under general principle, even if you don't have anything to do the next day, is not fun. Well, yes. I mean, maybe when I was a teenager and I had the actual ability to do so, I try to pull an all-nighter now that I'm 33 years old. I ain't getting out of bed for a week afterwards. <laughs> Let's call See, that. I, I had I had to do it for a while between DJing three to sixes and then when I was working at FAN, uh, I started my shift at 6, which would mean I'd have to leave. I'd have to get on the train at 5 o'clock in the morning. So, wait, you worked at WFAN. Does that mean you worked with John Sterling? Uh, technically somewhat, because he was doing games when I was there, but I was in studio. So, But I, I have met John a couple of times, actually. Does he really sound like the, like he's being electrocuted as he makes his call in person? Like, how does that work out? What what exactly do you mean by that? Does his voice sound that way? Yes. Yes, it does. Yankees win! Yankees win! Ah! <laughs> being over-exuberant. Uh, yeah, it's like somebody zapped him with a taser. 
We are so far off the rails already. We haven't even gotten into the wrestling show yet. Welcome <laughs> to 2AM Podcasting. Well, let's get into the reason that we're here, Brandon. Let's talk 205 Live, shall we? Yes. All right. Our opening contest, scheduled for one fall. One fall. Is a first-round match in the Cruiserweight title tournament as... Arya Davari takes on the best-kept secret of dating Alexa Bliss, Buddy Murphy. The now apparently 200.9-pound Buddy Murphy. He lost three pounds in about a week. <laughs> Need to get on that Buddy Murphy diet. Um, me and Liz were having <laughs> yeah. a fun Me and Liz were having a fun conversation about him as he was on his way to the ring. I will give to you now that conversation verbatim. Me to Liz. Okay, seriously, who let Kurt Hawkins into the cruiserweight division? I saw that. Liz responding to me. Also, why did his tights get eaten by a shark? <laughs> uh, he, he he really did look like Kurt Hawkins there. Thank you. <laughs> and then what we end up seeing is... Kurt Hop, <clears throat> Buddy Murphy picking up the win and moving on to the next round of the Cruiserweight title tournament, pinning Arya Davari with a wrist clutch Death Valley driver, kind of, sort of, I guess. I mean, he pump handled him and then he lifted him up into the air and brought him down with a swinging neckbreaker variation. It looked kind of like a wrist clutch DVD to me. So that's what I'm going with. Your thoughts on the match? I mean, it was a good match. Uh, it was a solid match. Um, you know, nothing really crazy to write home about or anything. But, you know, Buddy Murphy definitely impressed me in this match. Uh, did some, you know, more high-flying type cruiserweight type move, which, I mean, I didn't see him all that much in NXT, but I don't ever really remember him doing anything super crazy in NXT. Um, that That suicide dive was pretty nice. Um, so the Tope Con Hilo where he did the yes. full flip? Yes, precisely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he definitely is moving forward in 205 now. Well, we'll see what they have for him going forward next week because I think he'll be in a more natural role next week as a heel, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on here. He was kind of the face in his match against Daria Davari. Were you a little bit oh. surprised? Were you a little bit surprised that they had him kick out of the uh, the Pepsi Twist, the Hammerlock Lariat? Not really, because if you're trying to, you know, push him as a legitimate threat, you know. And, I mean, Davari, while, you know, they've tried with, you know, they've had limited attempts to make him a legitimate threat, he's always kind of been a lower mid-card guy on the 205 Live roster. Um, even all the going all the way back to the cruiserweight classic, he was never really, you know, a huge threat. So having Buddy Murphy kick out of his finisher, it it, it legitimizes his threat. Do you think that there's anything that can be done with Arya now that the whole Zotrain thing is over and realistically speaking, he doesn't have any kind of direction here? I'm almost saying that it wouldn't be the worst idea, in my opinion, for him to bring back his brother as well. Uh, I forget who his brother is. His brother would be Sean Davari. Oh, okay. I 
I don't remember just, seeing him. Do you remember Mohammed Hassan? Oh, okay. Do you remember the uh, guy that spoke the Pashto with Hassan? Oh, okay. That was Sean Devari. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. Is he, I'm assuming, I don't know, is he 205? I believe so. I am not positive, though. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that could be an interesting way to to do something with Devari. I feel like while they're not um, doing as much character work or whatnot, um, I feel like he'll probably fall back into his role that he had uh, prior to the train with him basically just being, you know, this Iranian aristocrat douche. You mean the Iranian aristocratic douchey JTTS? Yes. Yeah. I, I think that any kind of real push that Arya probably had in the, the Cruiserweight division is over at this point. Oh, yeah. Our second contest scheduled for one fall. One fall. Is the answer to our question from last week. And I said it before we came on the air. I'm going to say it again now that we are on the air. Brandon... Nana, Nana Boo Boo. Yes. Yes, you are correct. It is a Teddy Long special tag match player as Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado take on Who Knows and Who Cares. Was this just a regular tag match? Well, actually, no, I take that back. At first, it seemed like they were going to do a three-man tag, but then I guess uh, Kalisto was just at ringside. Yeah, Kalisto was too busy telling Nigel and Vic Joseph what he's going to do with Roderick Strong next week. <laughs> uh, the correct answer to that question, Kalisto, is lose, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Well, are we going to talk about what we got before that? Before um, are you? Are you refer? Wait, what are you referring to? I'm confused. The fact that we got a bracket and we got uh, oh. the next matches. Oh yeah, we, we do announce the uh, the quarterfinal matches. What do you say we save that for the end of the show? We can make some predictions. Okay. All right. Since we have the uh, other first round matchup to get to for tonight's episode of Two Hundred Five as well. Yep. All right. So. This match right here just kind of seemed like a way to establish uh, Lince, or, yeah, Lince and Metalik as the resident tag team as Nigel was quoting the entire match here. The Lucha House Party continues. Yep. You know, I'm okay with this seg- with this group as a stable. I mean, I kind of liked it more when they were known as the Mexicals. No? Not for I me? Mean, okay. I, I mean, I'm okay with it. I I get why they're doing it but I'm kind of disappointed in uh, I'm kind of disappointed that Lindsay is a part of this because he seemed like he was like different you know he had a different feel to him his music was different all of this um, he seemed a lot more unique when you know during the Cruiserweight Classic and when he first came into 205 Live at the beginning of the show um, but now they're basically just making him, you know, another generic. Well, Luchador. it is, as I told you before we came on the air with this and send all hate mail to s.garmer at gmail.com. 
uh, if the mask fits. Yes, I know. But see, I and I know there are different people who have different opinions on, you know, luchadors and all of that. But my favorite luchadors have been the ones who have had their own unique personality and and character traits and and everything, you know, the the Jushin Thunder Ligers, the uh tiger masks the um um the the bushies the um oh what's his name from wcw you gotta give me more than what's his name give me something to describe him and i'll do my the the black and white mask with uh the the uh, park no not la parka he's a big name in mexico uh, psychosis. Yes, psychosis. There we go. Part of the Mexicals, ironically. <laughs> but so- yeah, you know, those guys had a different feel, different music, different, you know, just a different personality to them. Whereas, you know, Lince Dur- or not Lince Durrell, you know, Grand Metalik, Kalisto, Sin Cara, Rey Mysterio, all these other guys, they're basically interchangeable. Well, I mean, I will say that that gr- Grand Metalik does kind of come off as create a luchador number 63 at times. Exactly. I mean, other than having some flashy corner moves and stuff, Metalik doesn't really do anything for me. And I know that's kind of sacrilege to say because he was a pretty big star in Mexico. But, yeah, he doesn't really do anything for me. I will say that in the process of making this statement as well that I am not much of a Lucha Libre fan either. No, I find neither am I. style to be a little bit hokey. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, and kind of. Also, like I said, you know, granted, I haven't watched the the Mexican version of it. I haven't watched the authentic stuff as much, and I understand that the masks have different meanings and everything in Mexico. But especially the WWE variety, like we just said, it it feels like they are all very interchangeable. Well, compare how they're treated in WWE to how the luchadors are treated in Lucha Underground. Guys like Phoenix and guys like Aerostar and uh, Pentagon Jr. and Mm -hmm. such. Mm -hmm. And even in New Japan, you know, guys like Bushi and Jushin Thunder Liger and Tiger Mask. Or even to put it into more more modern era, too... um, well, no, I guess most of the current junior heavyweights aren't really masked over there, are they? No. The only uh, two that I can really think of are uh, Bushi, uh, Tiger Mask is still technically doing stuff, and... Uh, Desperado. What? Desperado. Yeah, Desperado. That's who I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, Team Mucha Lucha, as I've officially dubbed them before, pick up the win. Lince pins jobber number two is what it is with a shooting star press. Um, a little surprised to see Lince bust out the shooting star. Not a move they have him bust out a whole lot, but at the same time, very well executed. Looked more Paul London than Billy Kidman, so he's got that going for him. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've. I've been a fan of Lindsay from the beginning. Um, and it was nice being able to hear his music hit 
uh, when he got the pin. Um, but, Rather you know, than them just coming out randomly to Kalisto's theme song? Yes, precisely. Yeah, for a match Kalisto's not even in, that yeah. kind of to me too. Yeah. Well, and I- also I like... I like Lin, like I was just saying, I like Lindsay's music because it it is unique. It isn't just, you know, random Mexican luchador number two, you know, salsa music. By the way, if you if you got if if you ever get a chance to watch some of like the uh the the latter day WCW stuff like the ni- late 90s stuff, if you want to check out a certain Luchador, look look into Blitzkrieg. Okay. Came and gone within the span of like six months, but that dude was throwing down for the time that he was there. Hmm. All right. Anyways, our main event scheduled for one fall. One fall. Is the final first round match in the Cruiserweight title tournament as... Hold on. Give me a second here. Mustafa Ali. I just blanked on the name for a second there. Takes on the gentleman, Jack Gallagher. And after a back-and-forth contest that is more or less dominated by Gallagher after they started to pick the focus on Mustafa Ali's left shoulder, I believe it was? Yeah, I think you're right. Mustafa Ali manages to make his comeback, hit a swinging Tornado DDT out of the corner, and then right into the 054 for the pinfall in about 17 minutes. Uh, enjoyed the match, thought it might have ran a little long for what it, what it wanted to do, but it does set up an excellent story for them to work with for Mustafa going forward in the Cruiserweight title tournament. And I think that what we saw before the title tournament started is going to play a factor in how this title tournament ends, and we could end up getting a rematch from the match that everybody was talking about going into the Cruiserweight title tournament between Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the way they're probably going, which, you know, I'm okay with. But, you know, especially with that, I was like, you know, I I personally wanted Gallagher to win this match. So, but like, so every time that he would either get a pin or put in a submission, I was like, you know, I wanted him to tap. I was like, I have a feeling that Ali's going to make the comeback. Um, This was, I... I don't think that this went too long. I think this went the right amount of time. Um, you know, it it kept Gallagher strong. It was that good, uh, you know, that good uh, difference of styles, the, the very high-flying Mustafa Ali against the very, you know, grounded and, you know, focused on submissions Jack Gallagher. And, uh, you know, it was a fun match to watch. Um, and you know what I think my problem is though I think the problem with regards to that is the fact that we have been spoiled by the main events of the previous three episodes of 205 Live I'll I'll agree with that I understand that especially when you're you know compare this match well compare this match to the Cedric match that we got in the first round against um Oh, God, why am I drawing? Against Grand Metalik. Compare this to the absolute throwdown that Drew Gulak and Tony Nese had last week. Well, I mean, that's well, that's the kind of interesting dynamic there is, you know, that is kind of cool to see over the last three weeks is you had, you know, you you first had the two very high-flying guys in Alexander and Kalisto. 
Metalik. Uh, or Metalik, excuse me. Um, so you had, you know, that high-flying match. Then you had the very grounded, mat-based matchup between Gulak and Nice. And now you have the, you know, the uh, difference in styles and the the point-counterpoint type of match in this one that was very interesting to watch. Each of them work. Well, I would argue that Tony Nese actually went to the air a little bit more than we've seen Nice do as well in order to give that kind of a clash in styles. Honestly, the match that I would, uh, the match that I would compare to the, I would say the first two matches were kind of similar with the main events with, uh, Alexander and Metalik and then the main event of the second show, which was Roderick Strong and Adeo with Tommy. Mm-hmm. And then I would compare this match here, the <clears throat> uh, Mustafa Ali and Jack Gallagher match, to the Drew Gulak Tony Nice match, where you had Gallagher playing the role of Drew Gulak this week and Mustafa Ali in a flashier version of the role that was played by Tony Nice last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. The issue that I have, though, is that I think. Of the four main events here, I believe that this was the weakest of the four. It's not a bad match, but given what we've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks on 205 Live, I think we got a little bit spoiled by those matches, so this match doesn't shine as brightly as it had had it probably been the first one that we saw on the road towards the second round of the Cruiserweight title tournament rather than being the last one that we see on the road to the Cruiserweight second round. I, I could see that. I mean, I like... I still like this match a lot, um, you know, and I like that clash in styles um, that you see in these types of matches, um, and and I like the 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 work they did with focusing on a different body part and and some of the spots that they put into this match. That bump that Ali took off of the turnbuckles to the barricade was. I thought he was legit. Like, I was waiting for the ref to put up the X. Oh, I was waiting for the ref to call over Chris Amon, mm. the WWE doctor. Yeah. But anyways. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As we mentioned, Mustafa Ali does pick up the win with the 054, and that will take us into the second round now. As we found out, as Brandon mentioned earlier, the second round of the title tournament will start next week on 205 Live as Cedric Alexander in one second round matchup takes on TJP. And the second second round matchup will be the aforementioned Kalisto taking on Roderick Strong. Um, I think Cedric over TJP is a given. Yeah, I would say so, probably. See, Kalisto and Roderick is a toss-up, though. I, just with the way that they're building this uh, this tournament and the way they've been handling certain guys and certain matchups, I have a feeling that Roderick is going to go over in this match. 
See, I think I'm going to take Kalisto just because I think they're going to want to do the battle. I think they're going to going to want to do the road of Alexander beating former champions on his way to the title. That that could be true. I could I I could see that. That that is a good point. But I I just think all of the surprise entrants have all won their matches. Yeah, that's not that probably not going to be a trend that continues going into the second round, though, in my opinion. I think some of them at least will. I think Roderick definitely has one of the better chances out of any of them, too. <laughs> that I 100% agree with. I think of the three surprise entrants, Roderick has the best chance to win his second round matchup. Yes. So let's move over to the other side of the bracket here as the first quarterfinal match in the other side of the bracket will be Drew Gulak taking on, excuse me, Drew Gulak taking on, why am I drawing a blank right now? The, uh, the other NXT call up, damn it. Oh, uh, or not Tyler, um, Mark, Mark Andrews. Andrews. There we go. Andrews, okay. yeah. Sorry, I had a moment there. <laughs> uh, Gulak and Mandrews, which kind of tells you my opinion of Mandrews' chances in this match against yeah. Gulak here. I completely agree with that. I think, I think Gulak has this in the bag. Andrews is getting Bob Backlund. <laughs> is there any chance we can get Drew Gulak the crossface chicken wing? Oh, God. Because I feel that needs to happen. That would be... That would be good. Also, what did you think of Gulak's promo tonight? I thought Gulak's promo was fantastic. Gulak is always good in promos. Well, I like the bit at the end, too. Like, after he does his spiel and it, and it looks like he's about done with it, the tape, the uh, camera stays running, and he's talking to himself, talking about people saying he's gone too far. I went too far. I went too far. Oh, yeah. Like... It's the little subtleties that Gulak adds to his character, man, that just drives his performances. Mm-hmm. But anywho, and now, as we found out tonight, the other quarterfinal matchup will be Mustafa Ali and Buddy Murphy. Uh, Murphy had a chance to work as a babyface against um, Arya Davari. He will clearly be the heel in the match against... Mustafa Ali, obviously I expect a lot of focus on the arm here, but as I said earlier, I think we're building towards Mustafa and Cedric at the finals of this tournament here. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Mustafa Ali picks up the win here and goes on to meet Drew Gulak in the semifinals. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. And it would would set up an interesting rematch between those two. I wonder if they could go two out of three falls again, because I think that match was criminally underrated. I doubt that they would do a two out of three falls match in the semifinals. Oh, I was just taking that as an opportunity to point out how good that two out of three falls match is. And if people haven't seen it, they owe it to themselves to do so. Mm hmm. And thus puts a nice little bow on tonight's episode of 205 Live, as well as our predictions for the second round of the tournament here. We both have Cedric. We disagree on Kalisto versus Roderick, but we both have Gulak and Mustafa Ali. And to paraphrase Meatloaf, three out of four ain't bad. Uh So with that being said, let's put a nice tidy little bow on this and give this a rating on a scale of one to ten. Where do you fall at for tonight's episode of 205 Live? Uh, I'll give it a seven and a half. 
Um, both of the tournament matches were solid matches with some fun moments. And, uh, you know, the, the Lucha House Party squash match was interesting, albeit I'm not a huge fan of the faction, but, you know, it is what it is. See, I'm going to be a little bit lower than you are just because I was more blown away by the matches last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew's pulling the shocking upset of Tozawa last week. Yeah, that was shocking and disappointing. And then uh, Drew Gulak and Tony Nese going out there and just beating the dog shit out of each other for 17 minutes last week. In my opinion, that was a way better 17-minute match than the one we got tonight was. <coughs> Sorry, choking. Too much talking. So I'm going to go a little bit lower than I did. I think I gave last week's episode an eight and a half. I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to put tonight's episode as a seven. And in my opinion, I would say probably the weakest of the four first round matchup shows. To be fair, though, the bar has been set really high for this tournament. And that's not a bad thing as a wrestling fan. That's not a bad thing at all. Damn it. You talk for a second. I got to get a drink. Okay. Well, uh, we've got the Mixed Match Challenge uh, next. Well, technically prior to uh, 205 Live. It was was Apollo Crews and Nia Jax against Bobby Roode and Charlotte. Hold on. What? Hold on, I have to correct you here real quick. In one of the stupider WWE decisions in recent memory, Apollo has lost his cruise. Oh, yes. Oh, God, yeah. How could I forget about that? Jesus. Like, I'm sitting here, I heard that. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Really? Because people are going to make that connection? An incredibly, insanely, athletically gifted guy named Apollo, who spells it C-R-E-W-S, versus a clearly in need of as much mental help as can be provided psychopath in Florida. Like, really? People are supposed to make that connection? Get the out of here. You know Vince overreacts to these types of things now. Yeah, well... Focus on the XFL, Vince. Christ. (laughs) So anyways, it is, as Brandon mentioned, our mixed match challenge match scheduled for one fall. One fall. Is indeed the team of Apollo and Nia Jax representing Titus World. Nope. (laughs) Like, I feel that's the official name of this deal. Titus World. Nope. Nope. Then they take on the Robe Warriors, yuck, 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 of Charlotte Flair and Bobby Roode. I will say the little interaction between Charlotte and Bobby on the way to the ring where Bobby's wearing what was clearly one of Ric Flair's old robes is pretty funny. Oh, it's great. Mostly because I think that might have been the robe that Flair gave him when they were in Fortune together in TNA, which makes it all the funnier. (laughs) 100%. Check that out when you get a chance, kids. YouTube that and tell me if I'm wrong. 
I mean, this is one of the few teams. I think this is the only non-legitimate couples team that actually fully makes sense. I would agree with that. Not to mention they're both champions as well, with Rude being the U.S. champion well, and Charlotte being the SmackDown Women's champion. Well, not just that, but also in just in personality, like Bobby, while he, you know, he, uh, you know, he built himself off of Triple H more so. He does have a lot of Ric Flair in him, especially with the robes and everything. So him being teamed up with Charlotte just didn't work. Apollo and Nia are accompanied to ringside by Titus O'Neil and Dana Brooke. I once again reiterate what I said on on the Monday Night Raw reaction review that we did the night before, that they've made Dana wear a shirt underneath her suit jacket, therefore Titus Worldwide is immediately less interesting. (laughs) If you haven't seen the GIF, you owe it to yourself. How you doing, Dana? Anywho, this show's officially spun off the rails once again. Yes. What happens when you leave a pair of dudes to their own devices? Anywho, the match itself is not not bad. Nothing special, though. I think, in my opinion, it was probably the worst of the first-round matches in the Mixed Match Challenge. But given the fact that Apollo and Nia is such a thrown together team here and Charlotte and Bobby, while their characters may work when it comes to working with each other, they both need somebody with personality to help carry their matches. And Apollo and Nia are not that person. Mm-hmm. Well, so, also, I mean, we've talked about it before, you know, just these matches just in general are kind of like, cluttered together just because of the way that they're handled. Yeah, apparently Nia can come into the ring and pull Bobby Roode off of a cover, but if Charlotte were to attack Apollo Crews, I guarantee you some kind of disqualification would have went. Well, but see, that's what I've talked about this whole entire time that just makes the whole mixed match or the mixed match or, or the mixed tag team match just not work in WWE because there's a double standard. Sean, you're going to get heat for what I'm about to say. I'm going to apologize in advance. Send all hate mail to Harry Broadhurst on Facebook. (sighs) Fuck Susan G. Komen. So glad I do not have to hear that name again in this tournament. That is the biggest scam going. The views and opinions of Harry Broadhurst do not reflect those of the W2M network, but they sure as hell reflect mine. Yeah. No bueno. That being said, I I, I do like the fact that even though it's a uh, mixed match, it's a mixed tag team match. All of the attention for Bobby and Charlotte's win goes to an all-girls organization, which I thought was kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. Congratulations, Bobby. You can be glorious to the boys on your own time. (laughs) Right now, them girls are getting paid. (laughs) Scale of 1 to 10, Brandon, where would you put this match? Uh... 
We're, are, are we just going to completely gloss over what happened afterwards? Because, I mean, I'm perfectly fine with it because it should be. Uh, you mean Naya laying out Titus worldwide, specifically Dana, and pushing Titus on his asterisk? Yes. Yeah, it happened. It's there. Good for them. Yeah, because it's not going to... Nothing's going to come of it. Well, I mean, maybe... Maybe Naya finds a new love interest after Oscar beats her ass again at the Elimination Chamber, and they go after Titus. Enzo could always come back and feud with Apollo. Oh God! Yeah, I know. I apologize for putting that out there. If it actually happens, everybody, I'm welly and truly sorry. But I mean, this is basically like Stephanie 2.0. In a sense, yes, but at the same time, I don't think that people are necessarily going to be jonesing for Titus Worldwide to get revenge on somebody. I mean, because of the way that this whole whatever you want to call it is being handled, I agree with you. But if this had happened at anything more significant, then, yeah, it would be a, it would be a bit of a, uh, you know, cliffhanger. Well, I think I think the problem here is that when regards to the Stephanie character, we've all gotten to fall in line with the I'm going to chop off your balls. Well, but that no, but that's what I'm saying is like Yeah. You know, is that, you know, and and that's my problem with these types of situations is that, you know, you know, Naya can do whatever she wants to them, but she doesn't get her come up and well, I was about to say there that I think if the same thing would have happened if it were Stephanie, we would probably be a lot more upset about it than if it were happening with Naya here. Yes. But to be what, fair. But, like, Naya, you know, it would be fun to see, like, Asuka be like, you know, for for what you did to Apollo and, and Titus, I'm going to, you know, beat your ass. Okay, now I'm having hilarious images of Asuka signing with Titus worldwide, and that needs to happen. That would be great. <laughs> Just for that now, yes. Oh, God, could you imagine Titus verbally running that into the ground by bragging and bragging and bragging? Oh, God. Oh, oh the thought just ruined me. <laughs> Scale of 1 to 10, Brandon, where do you fall? Uh, I'll, I'll give it a six and a half. I mean, none of these matches get anything higher but you know like i said with it being uh with with it being uh bobby and charlotte i gotta give them some credit it was a decent match for what it's worth way too high in my opinion i'm actually closer to around a five i'm giving bobby and and uh charlotte credit for having to work with that uh garbage the interactions between Rude and uh, Apollo are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I think that away from the ridiculousness of the uh, Titus Worldwide gimmick, Apollo's still a damn fine worker. Well, yeah, of course. The problem is, is the guy has the personality of paint drying most of the time, which is why they put him with Titus Worldwide in the first place. 
he's only just now starting to find his voice as a character. And hopefully, even after a split with Titus comes down the line, he'll be able to maintain some semblance of becoming this character, uh, developing his character here. Otherwise, we're still going to have the same old Apollo, who's a fantastic wrestler, but is about as entertaining as watching paint dry on the microphone. Mm-hmm. We then preview our first second round match next week as Finn Balor and Sasha Banks are going to take on Asuka and The Miz. Okay, can I point out the fact that this is actually a nice little bit of booking in my opinion? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just because I feel like these could be the the Raw, IC, and women's title matches at mm-hmm. WrestleMania. Yeah. So if that was planned and that's the way that they're going for Mania, then I have to give the creative staff some kudos for this one because it's well done. Yeah. Very well done. That being said, though, in the confines of a WWE mixed tag team match, though, it's kind of going to give away a lot of the action that we would see between those four people against each other that you could just as easily have this match on Raw and it would be pretty much the same effect. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. So it's not necessarily the match that's a bad idea. It's the concept that's the bad idea. We've been saying that pretty much since the start. The exec- the idea is not bad in theory. The execution has been flawed. Also, this poses a very, you know, interesting <laughs> conundrum that, you know, WWE has to, you know, I mean, it's not that hard to, you know, weasel your way out of this one, but, you know, I would think that Balor and Sasha would be the ones to go over in this match. Or pins Miz. What? Balor pins Miz. Yeah. Well, there's, no, of course. So that's the way that they would keep the streak going. There, yeah, there's absolutely zero chance that they put over, they end, put an end to Oscar Street in the show that's only partially canon to the WWE storylines. Oh, no, I wasn't. I was never insinuating that that they wouldn't. That's what I was saying was I would assume that they would have Balor and Sasha go over here. But that would mean that Balor would have to pin Miz and they'd have to basically say that because it's a mixed match challenge and, you know, need like it's basically two separate matches that it doesn't count. Brandon, you got anything to plug before we get out of here? Uh, we got the kickoff tomorrow, uh, and I've got a new fancy football podcast that will be coming to you at some point uh, in the near future, uh, and that's pretty much it. In addition, Wrestling Unwrapped, myself and Patrick Ketzer returns down the line at some point, uh, personal issues of I'm going to respect the privacy of those involved there and leave it at that. How the War Was Won coming soon to the W2M Network. I'm still working on getting towards the part of the schedule where said broadcasts against each other start. I would like to be able to catch up to that point before we get started, hopefully sooner rather than later. We will keep everybody updated. In addition... You can listen to the flagship show of the W2M Network, Wrestling to the Max, this Thursday night as this week's episode, Part 2, happens. And they will give their predictions for the Elimination Chamber, which if you're interested in our predictions, you can check out this week's SmackDown Live review as well. So, 
for the unfortunately absent co-hostess with the mostest, Liz Pugliese, and our executive producer, Sean Garmer, for the the Skeletor to my He-Man, Brandon Biscabing. I was waiting for the laugh. Okay, never ah. mind. <laughs> I'm Harry Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to the Wrestling to the Max 205 Live and Mixed Match Challenge review here on the W2M Network, available online at w2mnet.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next Tuesday night or, you know, whenever you're listening. <clears throat>